Last Sunday, we launched this campaign called Be Rich, and people say, what do you mean? Are you trying to be rich? No, we recognize that compared to most people in the world, we are rich. As Americans, we're so blessed by God. In fact, if you make $48,000 or more a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners around the world. We are a blessed people indeed. And we call this, this campaign of generosity, Be Rich, because out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17, 18, and 19, the Apostle Paul instructed that young pastor named Timothy to command those who are rich in the things of this present age not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches, but to put their hope in God, who richly supplies everything for us to enjoy. And then he said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and ready to share. And he says, when you do that, you are laying up a good foundation for the life to come. And you actually discover what true life is all about. True life is about loving God and loving others and serving the world. And so there's a phrase in there. There's a word that Paul used. He says, teach them to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous. And I want to talk to you today about generosity. And then I want to introduce to you a local nonprofit called Her Song that we are partnering with here at Fort Caroline to make a difference in this community. We believe Fort Caroline Baptist Church is here to make a difference in people's lives. And we would rather partner with people in our community, whether they're Christian partnerships or not. They may be secular partnerships. We don't care if they're meeting people's needs. We would rather partner with them than to pioneer something that competes with what they're already doing. There are people doing a good work in our community. We want to come alongside them and say, how can we help you? Do you need some volunteers? We're good at volunteering. Do you need a little cash? Do you need a little help? Do you need some food? How can our church partner with you to help what you're doing in our community? And God placed this nonprofit called Her Song in my path about a year and a half ago. And I knew from the first day that I met the people in this ministry that this was a partnership born of God. This is what God wants us to do. Last year, we challenged you to give an offering of $8,000 to her song, you guys gave $16,000 in a week. You, you, you blew our minds and you blew my mind. Last Sunday, after the third service, when I shared this vision that we're going to seek to raise $10,000 this year for her song, believing and trusting you would go above and beyond that $10,000, a family came up to me after the service and said, Please don't mention our names. And we're not officially members of your church, but we love this church. And here's what we feel God telling us to do. Whatever your church gives, $10,000 and up, we will match it. Dollar for dollar. Now, folks, that's a God thing. Can you give God a hand for that? Wow. So you have been challenged. That, that, that is a challenge from God. And I'm going to ask you at the end of our service, if you haven't already done so, to go ahead and give. You can give cash. You can give check. You can give online at fcbc.life. Um, or you can go back at the end of our service. We have some square card readers. They'll take your debit card, and uh, they'll let you give, uh, or credit card, let you give this morning. But let's talk about generosity for a moment as we then we'll watch a video about her song. Generosity was defined by the University of Notre Dame as the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. And I like that definition. It's the virtue 
of giving good things to other people. And you give freely. You're not manipulated. You're not guilted into giving. You give freely. And you give abundantly. You're not giving stingily. You're not giving leftovers. That true generosity is when you want to give to another person and you want to give something good to that person and you want to do it freely of your own will and you want to do it abundantly. That is a great definition of generosity and that is who you are as a congregation. You guys are some of the most generous people I have ever met in my life. And through this Be Rich campaign, you are showing again this year your generosity. You're giving money for her song. You're giving time to our local school, Mayport Elementary. You're giving uh, food to our local food pantry. Uh, you're giving 500 boxes of food to needy families for Thanksgiving. And you're giving Christmas gifts to children at the Florida Baptist Children's Home right here in Jacksonville. You guys are absolutely generous. And I wanted to thank you today for your generosity. And I want to encourage you by helping you understand what generosity looks like and what the proper motivation for your generosity ought to be. Now, before I do that, the reason we're talking about generosity this morning is generosity does not come naturally. Generosity does, does not come naturally. You can see that over in the nursery today. You put little toddlers in the floor, throw some toys down on the floor with them, and more than likely, some child is going to say, mine. May even take a toy from another child and say, mine. Because naturally, we are self-centered. Naturally, we want what we want, and we think of ourselves first. We have to teach children and adults how to think of others first, how to be generous with your time, with your talent, with your treasure. And generosity does not come naturally. And then there are some myths about generosity that I thought we would dispel this morning. Generosity myth number one, generosity is spontaneous. That myth says generosity is spontaneous. I turn on the television, I see a commercial with a little puppy with sad puppy eyes, and I hear some soft, sad music, and I give to that need. And that's awesome, but then I don't really give to any other need. I don't give regularly. I didn't really give sacrificially. I just gave spontaneously. What we've discovered is truly generous people are not so much spontaneous as they are intentional. They're generous, and they want to make sure that their dollars are going and their time is going towards what they want to be generous with. They don't just hope it happens. They make sure generosity happens in their life. The second myth is generosity is determined by cash flow. I just got paid today, so I could be generous today, but I can't be generous next week. I could be generous at the first of the month, but I can't be generous at the end of the month because we think generosity is based on cash flow. But those of you who have gone through Financial Peace University... Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, recognize that when you set a budget, you then start telling your dollars where to go rather than your dollars telling you where they're going or where they went. And then generosity becomes a part of your budget. It just becomes a part of your life. You've just made up your mind you're going to be generous. So rather than waiting for the leftovers, you bake generosity into your budget. A third myth about generosity is it is the amount that counts. 
It's the amount that counts. People say, well, if I can write a check for $10,000, then I am being generous. But if I can only give $50, then that's not very generous. But that's not true. Generosity is not determined by how many zeros are in the amount. Generosity is based on the, the sacrifice that you are making in that moment when you give something good to another person and you give it abundantly. I watched a Netflix documentary about Bill Gates, uh, depending on how the stock market is going. You know, one of the richest people, maybe the richest person in the world. And this morning, Bill Gates could write a check and give you $1 million, and he wouldn't even miss it. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to write a check for a million and not even miss it? Just like kind of, you know, when you find a $20 bill in your coat pocket and you didn't know it was there, and you're so excited, he could give you a million dollars and not miss it. But I've got a grandmother. She's 92 now. She lives up in South Georgia. I called her on her birthday last year to wish her happy birthday. And my granny said, son, I wish I had more time to talk to you, but I'm going fishing. <laughs> okay, granny. If you can go fishing at your age, you go fishing. My grandmother lives on a fixed income. She lives in a double-wide trailer north of Valdosta. And when my grandmother sends me a birthday card with $50 in it, I can promise you that is generosity. She is being generous with her giving. So sometimes people say, well, I can't be generous because I can't give big dollars. It's not the amount that counts. It is the attitude of your heart and the sacrifice that you are willing to make. Jesus once sat across at the temple from the treasury where people were giving their offering that day. And he watched as people put their money in the offering and he saw rich people putting in a lot. And then he saw a poor widow come in and put in her pennies. And he said to his disciples, you see that woman? She gave more than anyone because she gave out of the abundance of her heart, even though she's poor. Another myth is rich people are generous. Actually, that's a myth because rich people are rich. <laughs> generous people are generous. You can be rich and generous. You can be Middle class is generous. You could be poor and be generous. Generous people are generous. The myth is just rich people are generous. I can't be generous. I'm not rich. In fact, statistics show in our country that the more people make, the less generous they become. That the most generous Americans are the people who are the poorest Americans. It's amazing. In fact, in churches, it seems that that might be true as well. I, I don't know that from our church because I have no clue who gives to our church, and I don't know how much people give to our church. To me, that's not a pastor's business to know that. That's between you and God. But when I talk to statisticians, they talk about how that often some of the most consistent and generous givers in churches are the poorest of the members. That they're given every week a little bit, and it's a part of who they are, and they believe in it. Some of our senior adults, that's a who they are, it's a part of it, that they love giving. Generous people are generous. Now, I want to take you to a passage of scripture just very quickly in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, because here the Apostle Paul had to write a letter to Christians in the city of Corinth about their generosity. They wanted to be generous, but they had not followed through with their generosity. And he just wanted to give them a little nudge. Hey, a year ago, you said you were going to take up a love offering to help the mother church in Jerusalem. 
Here you are in a wealthy city, you're doing well, but the church that started all this, ground zero where Jesus was crucified, they're going through a time of persecution and a time of famine. And so all the other churches said, let's just take up a love offering and send it to the church in Jerusalem so they can take care of their members and put food on the table for the people in the city of Jerusalem. And all these other churches have done what they said they were going to do. But we noticed, Corinth, you haven't followed through. And so out of love and wanting to give them a little opportunity to finish what they had started, he writes in part this letter, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 9. He's writing probably the year A.D. 56, but he writes this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. This would be like me saying to you this morning, hey, I want you guys to know before you give this offering today about what's happened in the churches in McClinney and Middleburg and in South Georgia. Paul is saying, I want you to know about the generosity of the churches in northern Roman province of Greece and Macedonia and Thessalonica and Berea, all cities they would have known about in their area. He says in verse 2, For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He's saying those churches are suffering persecution. They're going through an economic downturn. If, if you knew what they were going through, you would not be bothered if they didn't follow through on their love offering. But even though they were going through a severe test of affliction, they still gave generously and abundantly. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. It's Paul's way of saying they blew our minds at how generous they've been, even when it was hard for them to be generous. And they did it, not because I had to send them a letter. They didn't do it because someone coerced them or used guilt or manipulation to get them to give. They wanted to give. In fact, more than likely, other churches were saying, listen, you churches don't need to give. You've got your own needs. You Christians don't need to give. You've got your own struggles. But they wanted to give of their own accord. In fact, he says in verse 4, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. That's a pastor's dream when people show up begging you to take their money. Please, please let us be a part of this offering. Please don't make us sit home and miss out on this miracle. We want to help the saints in Jerusalem. Let us give. Verse 5, he says, In this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. That's important. When it comes to your giving, don't let anyone use guilt or manipulation to force you to give. Give your heart to the Lord first and seek His will and He'll show you what He wants you to do, where He wants you to give, how much He wants you to give. I trust the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life when it comes to your giving of your time, your talent, your treasure, your testimony. If you give your heart to the Lord, He will take care of all the other details. And I don't mean just give your heart to the Lord in salvation. That's that initial commitment you make to the Lord. I mean give your heart to the Lord daily. God, my life is your life. My time is your time. All the blessings and material things I have came from you. What do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do with your stuff 
that you've entrusted to me. It's like if I can talk a mom here this morning into giving away her baby. Yeah, I got some moms going, I don't think so. (laughs) But imagine if I could talk a mom into giving up her baby. I guarantee you that mom is going to say, and here's the baby rattle, and here's the bottle, and here's the stroller, and here's the crib. You know why? Because she's already given you her heart. She's already given you what's most important to her. And listen, if you give your life to Jesus, not just in salvation, but in every day, everything else just comes along with that. Everything else just follows along with that. So that's a good thing to remember. And then he says in verse 6, Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So you need to finish the offering that you committed to give. Verse 7, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, your love, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. In fact, no one argues that they want to grow in faith. Man, I want to I trust God more today than I did yesterday. I want to trust God with my life, with my decisions, with my fears, with my struggle. I want to trust God with my family. We all want to grow in faith. We all want to grow in speech where we're worshiping God, but we're also telling other people about God. We all want to grow in our knowledge of God as we study the Bible And come to know Jesus and his will for our lives more. All of us want to grow in our earnestness, our faithfulness, our commitment, our zeal for God. And all of us want to grow in love. The love that we have for God and others and the love that God has for us. And Paul's saying that's good to want to grow in those things. But there's one other area you ought to seek to grow in. In fact, you ought to want to excel in. You want to be at the top of your class. And that is see that you excel in the act, this act of grace also. He's referring to being generous and giving. You ought to desire to excel in the act of giving as God's people. Because it reflects the heart of God. God is a giver, and if we're becoming more like him, we too will be generous. Verse 8, For I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. And then here's the key verse, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Paul is not saying to the Corinthians or us that Jesus was wealthy when he lived on this planet. In fact, Jesus was not rich. But when when Paul says, you know about the riches of our Lord and Savior, he's referring not to Jesus in time, but Jesus in eternity before he became one of us. That Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, worshipped by angels, walking on streets of gold, seated at the right hand of God the Father in majesty and glory, the creator of the whole universe. That's how rich he was. And yet for our sakes, though he was rich, 
He became poor. He stepped out of glory into this sin-cursed world, humbled himself to become a human being, and lived every moment of his life not leaning on the prerogatives of his deity, but truly living by faith as one of us. He was the Son of Man. And he became poor. Not that he left eternity and the glories of heaven, but he also became poor in that he never lived a moment of his life for himself. He never went around saying, mine, mine, me. But he gave up his life, even on a bloody cross. That's how poor he became, where he lost even his own life for the good of others. If anyone was Generous, giving something good to others freely and abundantly. It was Jesus shedding his blood for us on the cross. And Jesus, having given his very life and his blood for us, made it possible for us to become rich. We're not talking about rich in the things of this world. Prosperity gospel typically only works in America in first world countries. No, the riches that we get now are the riches of God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness, His grace, His patience, becoming a part of the family of God, becoming a co-heir with Jesus, knowing that one day we will be with God in glory. We will walk on streets of gold. We will be able to see Jesus as He really is. Those are riches that money can't buy and death can't take away. Your relationship with God. So the reason we ought to be generous is not because there's a campaign, not even because there's a need. It's because of what Jesus did for us. He went first. And he makes it possible for us to follow his example. Now there is one simple way that we're going to challenge you to be generous. And we're going to just make it simple. And that is to give to her song. Watch this brief video. I'll say brief. It's about 11 minutes. Watch this video and learn more about her song. And then I'm going to come back and close this out today. Is that okay? We're going to do it again. Well, I'm Rachel White. I'm a licensed counselor and I'm the founder of Her Song. And um, we are an agency that's working to interrupt the trafficking cycle here in Jacksonville and lead women to freedom. Um, I felt called to this work in 2013. I had just been praying and seeking the Lord, you know, on the direction for my life, and I was finishing up graduate school. Um, and I knew that God had something for me. I just didn't know what that was. And He used a story on a radio. Um, I was listening to the radio, and this young lady was telling her story about how she was actually groomed for trafficking by her family. And I had a really hard time wrapping my mind around that, but we're actually finding that familial trafficking is very common. Um, but I listened to her story, and I listened to her redemption story, um, and it was so powerful to me. I, it just gripped me. I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. I couldn't sleep. Um, I was very disturbed. My husband thought, what is going on with you? You know, I've never seen you like this. But God was really working on my heart, and, and he was redirecting my energy and my time and my life to this mission that we now have 
going strong here in Jacksonville. And um, I picked up the phone and called that lady that, that gave her story on the radio, and we just connected. And what I really sensed the Holy Spirit was saying to me was a home, open a home, um, a home that feels like a family home. And that's what I kept hearing. And so as I visited with this survivor uh, of trafficking, I said, you know, what is the greatest need that you see? You're out there working in this area now, working with other victims. And she said, it's the need for a home. And so that was a real confirmation for me. And what I did not know and did not understand at the time is that right here where we live, there are hundreds and thousands of, of young ladies that are trapped in, in what we call modern day slavery. These are young ladies that are being sold for profit by their families. They're being sold for profit by dangerous predators that have lured them away. This is the community we live in, and these young ladies are going to school with our children. Um, they're friends with our granddaughter. Um, they're texting with our daughter who's down the hall working on our homework. You know, these girls are all around us, and we really need to care about this in our community. Many of the, the girls that come to us are addicted to substances. Um, they've endured egregious violence. Um, you know, razor blades, knives, guns. Uh, many of them have been branded with tattoos. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of sexual violence um, involved as well. There is the use of coercion, which is psychological manipulation and brainwashing. And there's a lot of fraud involved in this in the sense that uh, these ladies are, these young ladies are, are given false promises like, I love you, I'll take care of you, um, I'll be your family, um, you know, I'll make your dreams come true. In 2013, when we were founded, I asked the question of the people that were involved in the anti-trafficking movement here in Jacksonville at the time, you know, what happens to these young ladies? You know, you guys are going out and doing these operations and these things and stuff, but where do the ladies go? And honestly, no answer came except a shrug. And I really understood that my calling and the calling of those getting involved with her song was really to step into that space in our community and create a conduit for these victims so when they're coming out of trafficking they actually have a safe place to live they have food they have shelter they have clothing they have lots of love and support they have trauma counseling they have they can meet learn to meet their own needs you know and be empowered to live out to discover and then live out their god-given purpose i'm just amazed at the outpouring of support from from you guys and what you have given to us um, with your gifts last year um, we were able to support our safe house operations for more than six months um, and that is a huge praise for us we were so excited um, to receive that gift and and um, it's hard to put into words you know the depth of gratitude that we feel towards you for um, your kindness and your generosity and and your willingness to be rich in good deeds since be rich last year um, we've actually opened a new home and you guys are now sitting here with us inside this beautiful home um, that has been such a gift to her song and to the the young ladies that we serve and um, the the amazing amazing thing is that in early in the year you know we sat around with our board and we said you know what is what is it that we need to do this year what is like that one thing that we need to do um, and we all felt very strongly that we needed to open another home because we get hundreds of referrals for the very limited beds that we have at, at our other safe house. And we knew that we needed to continue to grow and expand, and it was gonna take faith. We knew that we could not do this um, without, without God. 
You know, it's funny, we just emailed out a newsletter and then we mailed out a newsletter and one of them bounced back to us with a wrong address. So we ended up calling this lady saying, you know, gosh, we need to update your address, you must have moved. And she said, yeah, and while I have you on the phone, could you use a house? And, and you know, so isn't that just like God? He's always working um, when we have eyes to see, when we're prayerful and we're looking. And so you're sitting inside a home that was gifted to us um, by one of our donors. And um, we have been able to launch a new program here that's focused on economic empowerment, which helps women achieve their educational goals and achieve their career goals while saving money so that they can move towards self-sufficiency and independence. And it gives me great pleasure and and um, honestly, I have a lot of pride to be able to introduce you to one of our ladies that has um, graduated from our intensive residential recovery program, which we run through Freedom Cottage. And she graduated and was the first resident in this home that we're sitting in. And I could not be more excited about what God has been doing in her life. Um, she has been going to college and she is a really great student. Um, she's been working in a law firm. Um, she's really been saving up a lot of money. She was able to save up money so that she could buy a car this last year. And um, that is just so exciting to us. But I think more than anything, just watching, watching her um, walk with Jesus is, is just a thrill. Um, that she is uh, a prayerful um, young lady, that she is opening the word and studying that, that she is surrounding herself with godly counselors. And um, I'm really excited to introduce you to Janice and let you hear more about um, the purpose that she's found. Being at her song, you know, starting out just kind of um, complete strangers, you know, and it has a uh, over time definitely developed into so many different relationships. It's almost like they have um, brought into my life something that I had missed out on for a long time. You know, um, as far as a mentor, you know, spiritual mentor, um, a mom figure, you know, somebody to um, just give me guidance, you know, in life. They, they've become my family and, you know, family by choice. And I think that that's just something that's so amazing to me. And, and we've built, you know, lifelong friendships. and. Uh, healthy, healthy friendships, you know, and that's something I've never had. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that felt like. And, you know, for a long time, I was almost waiting for like the ball to drop for the catch to come because I just didn't know what, what love looked like in a healthy way. Her song has given me this, um, foundation, just this rock foundation to stand on, you know, literally when I started um, my educational journey, you know, that was really scary for me. And I think a lot of my past and my trauma um, and the lies that I believed about myself for so long started to surface back up, you know, to stop me in my tracks. Um, but, you know, their, their, them speaking to me was louder than, you know, the enemy's lies. That was what he was telling me, you know, and I just kind of needed that affirmation and that, and that extra push and that, um, just that cheerleading that they bring to my life, you know, when I just want to give up because things get hard, you know, and I get scared and I doubt myself and I don't think that I can do this. Um, so I, I, I went back to school and, you know, since I've been in school, I've been on the dean's list every semester. I've been awarded scholarships for academic excellence. Um, not only that, but I have given, been given the opportunity, you know, despite my past and despite my record, um, to work in a law firm, you know, to work in a professional environment and be seen as that, you know. I, I'm not seen as what I did and, and where I was um, 
enslaved in for so many years. You know, nobody sees me like that today. And, you know, that's such a, a, a blessing and a gift to me. You know, my, my opinion has value today. Being able to be a productive member of society and, you know, not wonder how I'm going to take care of myself because I'm fully self-supporting today. You know, that's something I never thought um, would happen because I was just dependent on people for so long. You know, they were, they were everything to me. And for me to be able to stand on my own two feet and, you know, feed myself, you know, buy things that I need and save money, you know, for our future, um, you know, past her song is, is something that is just such a, a gift and a blessing to me because I never thought I'd be able to obtain that. Without a doubt in my mind, would I be here today? You know, if I ever, if I never came to her song, I wouldn't be here today. That's for sure. And um, not just that, but, um, you know, embracing the word of God, you know, applying it to my life. Um, living out what I believe is, you know, God's calling for my life. And not just that, but letting his word and his truth abide in my heart, you know, and in my mind and, you know, learning how to love God with all, um, with everything that I have. Because, you know, when I fully grasped the concept of what happened, you know, on the cross and, and what was, what was uh, completed, you know, that just changed everything. It, it changed my perspective. It changed my worldview. It changed you know, everything in my mind and in my heart, you know, it's just beautiful, you know, and I can't, sometimes I can't even describe it or just like put it into words, but, um, you know, the things that he's done in my heart and in my mind, you know, if I think back, like who I was two years ago, I was this lost, scared, broken, you know, person who didn't believe she was worth anything, you know, and today to be the woman that I am, the woman I believe I am, not just that I am, but, but who I believe I am, you know, has just changed everything. So today I'm going to challenge you. Here's the homework. Here's the application to what we've talked about, generosity. Start giving. Maybe for some of you, the application is, I need to start giving. That Maybe this has not been a part of your Christian walk, but it can be. And you can make that commitment today. And we've tried to make generosity simple by asking you to give to her song today. At the end of our service, you can go to the back and you can give there where it says, what is your next step? Using the card readers, we'll have uh, folks at the doors and whatever you put in those buckets, cash, check, what have you, it'll all go, 100% go to her song and people like Janice. Or you can go to our website, fcbc.life, and you can give online there today. And so maybe for you, it's to start giving. Maybe for you, the application is to begin practicing percentage giving. That you give, but you need to grow in the grace of giving. So go ahead and set a percentage. God, if you bless me with this much, I want to give this much away. And I, I promise you, if you ask him what that percentage ought to look like, he's going to guide you into beginning uh, to give. And, and then I would encourage you as well, maybe for some of you, you're already generous, you're already giving. Maybe you need to automate your giving. You know, use your bank pay system uh, to, to just automate your giving or go to our website. And through that, you can either give a one-time gift. That's it. You're done. Or you can set it up to be recurring gifts. And so I'm going to encourage you, maybe automate it so you don't have to think about it. It's an important part of your budget. You've worked it in. And you're not going to let circumstances crowd out your generosity. 
Whatever God wants you to do in taking your next step, just ask God this question. God, where do I grow from here? No, that, that wasn't me slurring my speech. Where do I go? No, where do I grow from here? God, this is where I'm at in generosity in my life. Where do I grow from here? What do you want me to do next in my walk with you so that I can be more like Jesus? With that said, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to let you give. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the life change that we have seen through these baptisms. We're so excited about what you're doing in people's lives. And God, we thank you for what we have been able to experience learning more about her song and Janice and the many others that we don't know about whose lives are being impacted through this ministry. And we can partner with them and we can bless them and we can be generous. So, Father, I pray that you would take whatever we give today, you would bless, you would multiply it, and it would be used for your glory and for your honor. And God, if there's anyone in this room today, anyone at all, who has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they understand that none of us can work our way to heaven. We cannot give enough money to earn our way into heaven. In fact, salvation is a free gift offered to us because Jesus paid the price through his own life and death and resurrection. And that all we have to do, according to Jesus, is believe in him, to put our trust in him. So God, if there's someone today that needs Christ, may they turn from their sin, confess it to Jesus, ask for his forgiveness, and have the confidence in him that he will forgive them and give them eternal life. And then they can begin to learn more about Jesus and what it means to live for him. So God, we rejoice today in what you're going to do in all of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.